Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. We have our statistician back, Mr. Ben Clark, and former top of the Ski Racing Podcast Predictions League, Marcel Mathis. Uh, lots of races to cover this episode. All the women's speed races from Val d'Isere, the men's downhill and super G from Val Gardena, plus the GS and Slalom from Alta Badia and the night slalom, which has just finished over in Madonna. So let's dive straight into the most important competition from the past few days uh marcel you've been knocked off your perch at the top of the predictions league uh, and now you might have to go and buy yourself some powder hound gear i'm actually i'm i'm rather disappointed with my performance over the last couple of days i have to say um it's not just a race of being happy to have a little christmas break also me i think i've <laughs> run out of luck can't wait for the new year to get a fresh a fresh start <laughs> <laughs> sorry um that was quite a good answer actually to be fair i thought i thought it might flummox you but you um <laughs> batted back well done uh ben how are you i am fantastic uh the curse has been lifted the people that i picked uh, this weekend did not fall over um didn't get a huge amount of points but i'm starting to slowly predict people vaguely near the podium so two-thirds two fourths and two fifths and a couple of shockers in there as well uh but uh it makes a change i actually dropped dave a note before the slalom started uh and, and said uh, or actually after the first slalom said the curse is broken uh I've, i got schwartz on the podium let me know when you want me to unleash the magic uh, <laughs> and was he great luckily he didn't luckily he didn't uh, ask me to pick him today because that would have been very bad uh, yeah well should we crack should we should we head straight over to the um to, to the slalom from this evening, from the Madonna slalom. Oh, the snow was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? I don't, anybody else sort of feel a bit deflated by the snow from that race? Yeah, it's it's really tough for anyone to have a real impact, especially with the way these guys train. Like, there's very little training going on on snow this soft this time in the season. We had all this snow the last couple of weekends, a real cold snap, and it's just suddenly warmed up uh, for the couple of slaloms we've just witnessed. And, and tonight, I was I was making some notes, uh, as I normally do, and you could see after each racer, the course crew just swarming in like flies afterwards to try and rake out the ruts, get some more salt down, do anything they possibly could to try and keep the track up to scratch. But you could tell by the amount of, like, swearing growls and just general anger from the racers when they got to the bottom they were just kind of shrugging their shoulders they didn't really know what they could do to go any faster and you really saw the people with a good feel for the snow and a light touch really come to the fore today yeah you didn't get anybody that sort of just slammed on pressure right by the gate which normally works on what is the uh, the world cup's go-to surface which is rock hard ice that didn't really get it going their own way. And it was, uh, it, it cut up quite a lot and we saw quite a lot of mixed results. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a bit of a bummer because it's supposed to be like one of the most exciting slaloms of the season. And I think the conditions were just a bit tough that I'm sure they tried everything to make it as good as possible. But you could see the race were not very happy with their performances and potentials, not with the, with the track. Um, but in the end, you know, like I think both races had a, a really a good winner. The ones who could handle those conditions best won in, in 
today specifically Christofferson. I mean, he was racing amazingly in the second run. Um, but I guess once we see normal conditions, icy conditions, there will be it will be a different ball game. Um, yeah. So for those of you that haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert: Christofferson took the win. Uh, he went from twelfth to first with that on his second run. Uh, Foss Solovag, who was leading after the first run, ended up 0.33 behind. And um, young Vinazza from Italy rounded off the uh, podium 0.43 behind. Unfortunately for British fans out there, Dave Riding found himself back in 21st. Was only 1.1 off, but not the Madonna that he would have hoped for. He's got such good results from there. Yeah, that's right, Ed. He... First run looked really good. Um, the what, I, what I'd seen from him um, in in the previous days as as well. He's he looked a lot more fluid than I've seen him in in quite a while on the first run. Really settled into the rhythm quickly. And although we're used to seeing Dave quite enjoy the the solid conditions, he actually looked to settle really quickly in the softer snow. Unfortunately, on the second run, right from the start, something wasn't quite right with his timing and he just didn't, he looked like he was fighting the whole way down to try and get the rhythm and it, it just got away from him a, a bit. I mean, 21st is, is is not brilliant from Dave's perspective, but it shows just how far he's come. The fact that he, we and he's probably quite disappointed with with, with 21st uh, in, in a World Cup slalom. Yeah, I spoke to Jai, one of his, well, his now technician, actually, between the runs, and he was saying that um, Dave was a bit disappointed about how far back he was from the then leader, who was uh, for Solovag, who So Dave found himself 1.32 back a little bit further than he would have liked, so a bit frustrated going into that. I actually thought his top sections looked pretty good. I, I think those snow conditions aren't really his friend, are they, Marcel? I don't, I don't think they are, really. I mean, he... He skis on like a very low, low hip angle. And when you have those ruts and you don't have that much, much space to maneuver because at some stage you're done. And I think a lot of the people who were really fast, they had like a very high hip angle so they could like accelerate into those ruts. And I don't think it's, it's his style of skiing, but I mean, it was like, it wasn't all bad. I think the first run, the first, the top was really good, actually. Uh, I thought he got really well out of the gate. But then just uh, the further down he came, the more um, I think he was struggling with the rods. But it was, he wasn't the only guy today. And I, I would lean myself out of the window a bit here. But I think if the conditions would be different, um, he could have done a bit more. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. I think, like I said at the beginning of this piece, the, um, the snow conditions were a bit frustrating. We saw... Uh, yeah, a bunch of people struggle. Not really sure what happened. Um, and But Christofferson, slightly emotional victory today. He talked about it in his post-race interview that he hasn't been this emotional before ever having won a race. And I think it was quite interesting. It may surprise you, Ben, that uh, I, I actually came away feeling quite positive about him. And I, I thought actually he, we saw a side that we haven't seen from him before, this sort of humility and um, I don't know. He, yeah, it, for me, he didn't really know how to act when he came through the finish line. He didn't, you know, chuck his hat, you know, chuck toys out of his pram on the first run. He looked a bit frustrated on the first run, but I don't think he really went, you know, lots of people came across the line not really knowing what happened on the first run. And the second run, he sort of didn't know how good the run was and he kind of let everybody know and then turned out it was good enough. 
think he's learned his lesson over the years to do that giant roar when you finish the second run, like you think you've got it nailed, only to have Hersher come and put another second on you. Um, uh, granted, Hersher's not there to do that, but when you're coming from twelfth, he he just kind of took the the passive approach of just shrug your shoulders and and try and enjoy it. But I think it's a lot easier for some of these guys to keep their uh, emotions when they're in the winner's chair uh, under wraps with the masks on in comparison to normal because normal you can see uh, very clearly whether they're happy or not as people are making their way down um, yeah. but like the, the the mask this year appears to be uh, uh, doing them a bit of favours. Um, one thing I did want to mention to you guys I don't know how good your uh, Instagram game is uh, mid-race uh, but one of the listeners to the podcast uh, sent me a message um, with with a, a link to uh, Ivica Kostelic's uh, Instagram, uh, and he was not happy with the course setting uh, and uh, had a, a kind of image of, of an old Topolino race poster um, and said with 30 out of 31 finishers of the top 30, the course setter must have been Mickey Mouse, and then he did it again for the second run. Uh, and said something else about a Mickey Mouse course setter. So uh, if it's is not happy, uh, <laughs> and, and that's his dad setting ridiculously yeah. difficult courses through the slush. Yeah, says his dad, yeah. you know, like the world's worst, like banana course setter, you know, just random Picasso sets of gates just dotted around in, in crazy places. A pot calling kettle black there, but uh, that's quite good. I mean, if you don't have a 50% failure rate on like a course, it's probably not a good course for the Croatians, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Who was that, Ben? Exactly, if it's not... who's, ch who's chucking you Instagram game halfway through a race? Uh, Pete, Pete Davis, <laughs> uh, who also had a couple of good predictions this week as well, I think. He did, but he, he, uh, I think he may have pushed his way up the uh, Powderhand Podcast Predictions League, so um, finds himself more to the sharp end. Um, shall we move on to Alta Badia? The other slalom, um, similar conditions, a little bit soft. Uh, conditions played a big part in the outcome of the race. Um, Zenhuizen took the win, sixth to first on the second run. Manu Feller back on the podium and Marco Schwartz picking up the final po podium place as well. We should just I mean, let Marcel talk for 20 minutes now. The Austrians have done something good. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I, I'm really happy for them because they have been, they've had a tough time, not just, not just in giant slalom, but also the speed results were not that great. So the Austria media, I think it took off a good amount of pressure. And today they've been doing really well as well. Feller got fourth. They had six people in top 30. So I think from, from a team perspective, they have, uh, they have presented them really well, which I'm, which I'm pleased with, very pleased. And I think it's good for the boys because they do get a lot of pressure back home. Yeah, I think both of them, Feller and Schwartz, picking up um, picking up a podium again, sort of, you know, going from Manu Feller, especially going from the twenties, you know, into into a podium position, blooming good weekend, you know, good Sunday, um, and and for me, like he's changed his, his style slightly. I don't know whether he's he's still that same sort of wild style but his upper body seems a bit more controlled his shoulders really don't seem to move a little bit there i say it sort of um mario matt-esque you know his shoulders are very low very forward i mean his legs are going crazy and his arms go a bit mental but but in terms of his shoulders they stay very very still it's strange to see him ski so controlled 
um, but with the aggression. So he's had a lot of injuries the last couple of years. And one thing that people have talked a lot about on, on various kind of commentaries and, and then media reporting sites is by the coaches allegedly trying to get him to calm down a little bit and be a bit more consistent because he could always do, you know, the fastest run on any given day, but then fail on the next run. By trying to take some of that erraticness away from him, they've almost kind of neutered him a bit and he didn't really look that fast last year. I mean, I know he's coming back from injury, but then now he seems to have got the aggression and a bit more control. So he's starting to find that sweet spot between the two that you, that you need. Marcel, I what, agree with you, Ben. Yeah, what were the press? I think, saying, I think what were the press saying off the back of that. They were very. I think they were very pleased with the result. Um, I think it even came a bit unexpectedly to have two people on the podium. Um, but you could see the whole the whole Austria team like they were all technically very solid. So you can see that there is like one coach doing that, um, or like at least one team, and they have kind of the a same a same strength going forward which is good for the whole team which lifts them up which lifts the spirit up and also the speed and as, as Ben quite rightly said I mean having a lot of injuries specifically in the back you can't afford to to go like a crazy madman um, all the time it's just not happening and I think that's that's pretty helping Feller maybe also because he's a father now maybe calms him down a bit god knows um, but I think he, he had a, a very good start into the, to the season. Dave riding managed to pick up 10th Pretty good, pretty good outing, I think, for Dave. Yeah, I was really happy with Dave skiing. Um, I think tenth was was really solid. You could see how much people were dropping back on that second run. And my fear going into it was that one mistake could drop Dave like down into the late twenties because that second run people were really packed in close. There were people really not far apart. So uh, again, similar to what I said for him uh, about today, it's it's been a while since I've seen him look that fluid with his slalom ski and he's you can normally see quite a lot of like tenseness in his body uh, and he looked a lot more relaxed I don't know if switching back to, to fish has really helped him I, uh, I, I think it must have done I mean he when when we watched him the last couple of seasons it was I feel like a little bit you're not exactly sure what you're going to get from him and a couple of turns would go brilliantly and then he'd lose something or he'd you know, grind out the end of the turn or something. And I feel like the, it's more consistent looking. I mean, we've had two races and four runs on the telly. But um, he, I think the, the sort of consistency side of things, I wasn't actually ever really nervous about him DNFing. He just looked so comfortable that sort of, yes, we talked about the hip dropping back, but that didn't sort of have the effect down onto the skis. We wasn't sort of juicing tails and, and, and sort of pinging out of turns there front centre. So a uh, good performance and good, you know, another good building block for the start of the season yes a little bit went uh sort of lost on today but in general solid start and it's going to be a busy month of january let's just hope for some harder conditions uh daniel yule had a real mixed weekend winning runs and then you know well not winning sorry fast runs sharp end runs and then out the back not not really enjoying rutted conditions and Mario, I mean, yeah. actually, the same with Mario Matt, um, Mario Matt, My, uh, Mickey Matt. I think they both not very, like Go yesterday. I, I think they both looked very unsettled. Matt had a really good first run yesterday, but today it was it was just not his conditions, which is actually quite surprising if you think back to his brother. He was like unbeatable on those on those conditions, 
he had like those wide stands like going into the rats left right and center and Ma is a bit more narrow and, and he yeah he was I think he's better on on icy conditions as well and 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 Yul, he was I think he was very confused today when he when he came into the finish um or when he crossed the finish line I, I don't think he was expecting that um but I'm sure we will see them back uh, on top further down the line I did enjoy yeah, you watch it sorry Ben carry on I was going to say the other person you could throw into that same uh, mix is is Clement Noel with the absolute mare he had on uh, on uh, the uh, Alta Badia slalom and then looked a lot more like it today. Um, obviously, one in those conditions, one mistake will cost you very big, but he looked like a, almost like a different skier today um, and looked a, a lot more like the, the guy who won a, a bunch of races last year and, and has a massive... Uh, massive future ahead of him still. Yeah, so it skis so smoothly and 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 looks so calm. Uh, I just wonder whether, again, we harp on about it, but those conditions a bit softer. Just he he skis a little bit risky in terms of a bit more pressure on his inside foot, and obviously that didn't work out for him today. A couple of times dropping into ruts, losing outside ski pressure slightly, and um, and and yeah, a few too many errors to find him back where he belongs and where he certainly will be. Um, but uh, yeah, again, good, some good racing. I think uh, the, the person that I was about to say that I really enjoyed watching over the last couple, but certainly today was uh, Fabio Gastrein. I thought he, he is an absolute brilliant skier to watch, isn't he, Marcel? Yeah, I mean, he, he was always a really good skier. Like on a, on a, from a technical perspective, I, I do love watching him. And I think this year it seems like he's got his speed as well because he's risking, he's attacking, like he's going for it. And I think that was always a bit missing, but now it's, he seems like very settled in the top 30, having his good starting bib and he can just charge for it. And I think today, what did he pick up? Like a 10th, 15th somewhere. And that's going to give him a lot of self-confidence. And also what I, one racer that I really want to point out because he had two best second run times was uh, the Swedish guy. Uh, Jakobsen. Christoffersen. Uh, sorry? Jakobsen. Yeah. Jakobsen. Sorry, Jakobsen, Christoffersen, <laughs> so many of them. Um, he was, he I was. I don't was think you were the only person. You weren't the only person to make that mistake, eh, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Christopher Jakobsen. Very close to Christoffersen there. <laughs> no, carry on. He Marcel, did, but sorry. you're right though, Marcel. Both, both, yeah, second uh, fastest second run both days, and I was almost made the note today that because he had a better starting number, perhaps he shouldn't have been starting so far uh, at the start of the second run. Perhaps he should have been doing a slightly better first run. But he really took advantage of those conditions and could attack in the soft snow without the ruts, which is a, a kind of skill in itself because. The snow's still difficult, whether there's ruts or not. You know, you're used to being able to put down almost as much pressure as you want, and just having to absorb whatever the ski does at the end. Whereas in these conditions, there's, you're never quite sure how long the snow's going to hold on until it breaks away underneath you. And, and both of those second runs, he was he was impeccable. I think we we saw from him a couple of seasons ago when he sort of burst onto the scene, uh, and then last season really struggled with. I don't know, overcharging or whatever, just but but pushing really hard on second runs and DNFing. And may, I don't know, maybe he's found maybe he's found the middle ground, but it's nice to see him back. And the Swedes have been a, away for a little while, apart, you know, Mura apart from him, but you know, they've been away for a little while. So it'd be it'd be quite nice to see a young a youngster 
back towards the front. GS, Marcel, this is, I think, were these your only points of the weekend? Yeah. Yep, they're only points I've picked up. But I'm very pleased about those points. <laughs> that, that was a good one for me. And I'm really happy one for my family as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, go on, go on. T tell us why. Because Pintero won. Which is which is great, and honestly, I think he was he was very pleased. You could see it in the finish area. This was like a race he hasn't won. He won now thirty races or thirty-one races, and this one was missing. And as we quite like rightly talked about last podcast, uh, it's the some might call it the Super Bowl of skiing, um, but it was uh, it was a really important a really important win. Yeah, um, I, I have to say I do I do like Pantero. I mean he. I find sometimes for me, he it's just he's just it's a little metronomic. He's just he's just good all of the time. And I have to admit, I have to admit that I was I, I was hoping that he wouldn't win that run because Atlee McGrath, Norwegian, from bib 29, fourth on the first run, then ended up second, and it would you know a bit of a fairy tale. He, he skied so good, first ever World Cup podium. Justin Mauricio also picking up his first ever. World Cup podium, eleventh to third. Um, I was kind of hoping for a bit more of a fairy tale, but you're right; he deserved it, and he skied so well. Uh, and just that, again, ominously, just good all of the time. Never really puts a foot wrong. You know, the errors he does make are small errors, and he's just so solid. You just don't ever feel like, you know, he's going to come out. Yeah, he might, you know, go a bit slow. But you'd never feel like he's sort of on the edge of control. I feel like on a, on a one-run charge, there are probably a couple of people who can beat him. But on a two-run two run competition, I think he's always very solid and he's like, you can bank on him for having good results. Might not be a win all the time, but having good results. And I mean, Atle, um, un unbelievable. I mean, those two young Norwegians, I mean, they're coming out of nowhere, smashing it. Um, even though in slalom, they were struggling a bit, but... That was just phenomenal. And I obviously would have loved him to win as well. Um, but his time will come. And he is someone for the overall World Cup in a couple of years. That's for sure. Both of them. I, I sent a little message to Mike Pulaski, who's ex-coach of mine, who now coaches them, uh, the, the, Norwegian, the young Norwegian team. And I said to him, that, you know, I congratulated him for the, the voice skiing so fast. And I said, sort of made a bit of a tongue in cheek comment about how fast they'd be if they stopped wearing those ridiculous neck warmers. And then he, <laughs> he, he then wrote back to me, he wrote back to me to say, uh, the, the guys are young, it's their safety blanket, much like having two big boots. And that was what he used to say when I first came on the ski team. He said that my boots were like two sizes too big. And uh, <laughs> I was in a safety blanket with my welly boots. Um, so yeah, yeah, he got me back a little bit, but he he was totally pumped. Uh, and what what a uh, what a prospect for the Norwegian team. We talked about how this, the 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 Swiss took the um, nation's title away from the Austrians, but surely the Norwegians have got to be in with a shout this season with with the performances they've picked up so far. We're just waiting for the ladies to to start. Uh, being consistent, they've certainly got some talent there. We'll talk about them later on, but they're, you know, they've got some talent. If the, if the ladies team can to pick up a few points, they're, they're going to be knocking on the door and, and playing in the big leagues consistently. Certainly on the men's side, they appear to have people who can win across all four disciplines. 
and even when they're not winning, there's two or three of them in the top ten quite regularly. Um, on that on that second run, uh, it wasn't to be for, for Lucas Broughton, who I think was quite up there on the first run. But when he crossed the line, he did, like he said to the camera, he said, "Over to you, like uh, at all." And he laid down an absolute stormer, as, as you saw. Um, and it seems like they've got a really good team spirit as well. Um, uh, I saw Marcel got a, a shout out on, on TV from uh, last week's guest. Uh, uh, Nick, but also he was. You could see when uh, Kilda was at the bottom of the first run. You know he'd done however many days back to back training, Super G downhill, finished his run, and then was there waiting and watching his teammates. He could have gone, got his feet up, but he was there uh, keeping an eye on his teammates. And, and they appear to take real pleasure in each other's success. And sometimes, you know, we've talked about it before because it's an individual sport. You want to win for yourself. But when you've had a, a not great day and your teammate wins, you could see it in certainly this Norwegian team's eyes. They really care when their teammates are doing well. And that, that's a really good sign moving forward. I think it's a, it's a bit of a battle sometimes, a- isn't it? Sorry, Marcel. It's, it, the battle, I think, sometimes can be that, you know, you're, you're disappointed that your results haven't gone your own way. But when you're, when you're somebody like Kilda, who, who picks up results left, right and centre, for these young guys coming through, he, he's obviously super proud. And, and we talked about it at length of many a podcast, the how important a team is and how actually it's an individual sport, but the team can do you no end of good if you're in amongst a good team, not only because it pushes your performances in terms of, you know, you want to be the quickest in your team every day on training and, and it turns out your team's, you know, one of the best teams, but also just morale of, of, of good results and then wanting to be a part of the next good result. I think I think that's so crucial for a team, and I I just want to point out someone from like an outside perspective that seems to be crucial for that is um, Life Christian Haugen. He's the oldie on the team, and you can see him always in the finish, cheering for the young boys, always being happy for them on on Instagram, posting stuff about his teammates, like how proud he is, and this and that. And I think that's great to have someone on the team who is like older like over 30, still doing really decent results, but also helping to develop the young guys and showing them the way. And I think that's that's a role he, from from my perspective, fills out really, really well. And that's so, that's integral to, to success, to have someone like that. Um, just, just before we move off the GS, I just want to take a quick moment to shout out Zan Kranjek, who did turn up and race three days GS and then both slaloms after the, you know, the, the horrendous uh, untimely passing of his father uh, just over a week ago and, and to see him out on the slopes and, and uh, you know, going back to work, I think he talks about it in an interview beforehand that, you know, this is what he does and, and his dad wouldn't have wanted him to take any, you know, he wouldn't wanted him to not be racing. Um, and the other, you know, dad, this is for you on his helmet sort of thing. And it was, I don't know, it it just brings it home, doesn't it? That these these are sporting heroes, but they're also people. I mean, it might sound stupid, but I think, um, yeah, I was really, I was really impressed, really, you know, quite proud of, of, of the sports person that he is to go out and do that. Yeah, I was surprised to see him uh, racing uh, when I saw the news that, that his father had passed. I wasn't expecting to see him at all this weekend. Um, in any of the races um, and 
he was clearly very emotional um, uh, in in the finish area, both both or every race. Um, but again, he he skied to the level we we know he's capable of. He, maybe not quite his his sparkling best, but still, right, it shows such. Uh, I, I guess internal internal strength for him to be able to do it. Um, so definitely thought uh, it was it was really impressive performance from him, and, and and hopefully we'll see some more of him in, in the new year. Um, back firing on all cylinders. Do we need to say a quick word uh, about a friend of the podcast, Charlie Raposo, uh, and his uh, uh, efforts on on the weekend in the GS before we move move across to the speed side? Um, I caught a little bit of his run, uh, but unfortunately there wasn't a huge amount of it. It cut away, and the next time he came back was coming over the ridge with his ass very close to the floor. Marcel, you want to take this one? I mean, I think, I think, I mean, Charlie, he just needs to, he needs to finish for one, <laughs> obviously, um, but also he needs to, he needs to get, he needs to get going. Um, he needs to not hold back. And not talk about results, but just ski the way he can ski because he's a great skier. Um, but I think the next races are really crucial for him um, for the rest of the season. Uh, he just needs he he needs to keep going, get going, um, all of it. And I'm I'm hoping he can do it um, because I know he's he has the talent, but he just needs to do it. Yeah, I mean he picked up some good results from in um, in the Austrian champs, didn't he? Fourth in the Austrian champs. What, what do you think it is? Just, I mean, obviously, the step, the step from up to World Cup is is massive. Uh, but I, I wonder whether the step from Fizz to Europa Cup is bigger than the step from Europa Cup to World Cup. There's so much talent, and it's so much pressure to so, and to perform when you hit World Cup, and they're also the same when you hit Europa Cup. Well, that's something my coach always said. He always said the European Cup is much harder than World Cup um, because the competition is so stiff. And and he, he actually is quite right because in, in European Cup, you might not have those superstars, but you have about 40 people who can win a race and you won't see that in World Cup. It's so tough. You need to be on top of your game on every race. Um, and he has had some some decent um, some decent results in European Cup and fist races. I The thing is with fist races that it's different. It's a different ball game. Like the courses are different. Like the conditions are different. It's not as challenging as a World Cup or a European Cup. And I think it's it's really important to to go down with his number because he's very high. <laughs> he has very high bibs, and it's it just makes it really tough. Um, so if he can start somewhere between 40, uh, 45, um, that would be that would be a big step in the right direction. And I'm hoping he can get like another good result, pick one up, and then have a better starting number because with 63. And I'm talking out of my own experience. I've been skiing down ultimately with 73. It's not fun. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, well, well said, Marcel. Uh, so, yeah, best of luck to Charlie in the new, in the new year. Yeah, they've got a little break, haven't they? It was, uh, is uh, Adelboden next for GS? Sort of, what's that, third, second week in January or whatever that is? Something like that. Yeah, it's there are two GS for two GS in Adelboden, which is going to be good fun. Best race of the year next to the video. Yeah, but it's going to be different, isn't it? We'll talk, we'll talk about it properly later. It's going to be a bit different. There's no wall of noise that, that you normally get hit by. It's just going to be a wall of tumbleweed, just whoosh, nothing coming through. <laughs> the same with any of those Swiss ones. Same, well, with, you can same with Kitzbühel. Poof. 
I'm sure I'm sure Char will will edit some people in there if he's making it down there for a good picture from the back, you know. <laughs> Just celebrating to the crowd. <laughs> um, right, let's move over, cast our minds back to uh, it was Saturday. Get my no Sunday women's women's super G in uh, Val d'Isere Sunday. Um, We'll talk, well, let's talk about the speed races as a whole for the late on the ladies' side. The conditions were, in contrast to what we've seen in the tech races the last couple of days, were absolutely brilliant. Bulletproof icy snow, bluebird days, and uh, and some mega racing. Yeah, Valdezer looked exactly the way you want it to um, for those races. Uh, the top speeds looked rapid. The courses looked fun, and we saw some big performances uh, from some names, not necessarily we weren't expecting, but certainly ones we weren't sure if they necessarily still uh, had that kind of speed left in them. Um, and then also, I think that the American speed team had an absolute monster weekend. They did, didn't they? They really did. Um, let's start with the Super G. <clears throat> Ledecka, Ledecka back on top. Suter picking up second and Brunoni picking up third after she picked, after she crashed out in the first downhill, took a day off and then uh, managed to find herself back on the podium. Looked a little bit cautious, but understandably, I think after, you know, when you give yourself a good, you know, a good smash up and that happens, it was fast, it was dark. It was, you know, it was a te very technical track for those guys. Um, but a little bit, that we again have spoken about before, but Esther Ledesca, she is so so good, and she's too she's good at two different sports as well. It's brilliant. Must be frustrating for the other ladies. I mean, honestly, when she came into the walk of circuit, everyone was like, "Who is she? She's doing snowboarding. No one's to be a ski racer." won the Olympic gold medal, everyone was like, mm, well, yeah, maybe that was luck, but there is no luck to that. She's a World Cup winner, she's an Olympic gold medalist in Super G, and she's just smashing it. I mean, she is strong, she's technically really well on the skis, and I thought, like, overall, she's just a great skier, and nice to watch and see someone from a nation where you might not have the best chances of training, etc., to still be on top of the game. And that's really good to see. Yeah, and she loves going fast, um, which in some of the athletes, you, you can almost sense the nervousness when they get into the absolute top speed. But Ludesco, similar to Suta and, and similar to uh, Sophia Godja, just looks like she wants to go faster at all times. Um, Interestingly, she hasn't performed as well in Super G as I thought she had since winning the Olympics. I, I thought she'd had more um, kind of podiums and wins. And when the, uh, the commentator was saying, I think that was her first actual World Cup win of a Super G. I was quite surprised. I, I just thought I'd, I thought I'd seen her win more before. But I think it went back and it was the late Louise downhills that she'd won previously. And it was, it was quite a surprise. But I always wonder how well she'll hold up with having to train this higher level at two completely different sports it's, we talk about how hard it is for someone like Schifrin to go across four alpine disciplines 
Snowboarding's a completely different sport. <laughs> the, all right, you're going down snow. That's the only similarity. And she is winning World Cups at both. It is absolutely out of this world. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I can't wait for the next Olympics to just see her rock around with two gold medals again at that. But it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not even like, you know, tech discipline where you can turn up on a race day and, and do one, you know, turn up, race one day and, and leave. It, she's racing speed race. She's racing downhills. That's like three days of competition at least you know bare minimum a speed weekend is three days so and then you're trying to race world cup blooming snowboard in there it's just it's insane i wonder if she trains some snowboard in between like maybe she's doing a downhill run and then goes off and does some like snowboarding runs what, and comes you, back and wins she's a super does, she does her what about like a warm-up in the morning she inspects on a snowboard just for banter <laughs> That would be jokes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very good. I wonder if she's allowed. She, she could she get in the head of her, of her competition. She what? No, she could get in the, into the heads of the other girls. That's for sure. Yeah. If she would turn up with a snowboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine seeing that on inspection. <laughs> Imagine seeing Marcel Hirscher on inspection on a monoboard. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to win anyway, lads. Just making it more interesting. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Probably still be everyone anyway. Um, but yeah, it was good to see Brignoni as well and, and Bassino showing what they're like at, at high speed. Obviously, we've seen them in the GSs so far this year, um, looking pretty good. Um, but yeah, really good from them. Uh, and, and also, Bassino fourth. Yeah, in the Super G, uh, Bassino was fourth. Uh, I mean, the the Italians had a great day in the Super G. They had third, fourth, seventh, and eighth with. Uh, Sofia Goggia and Elena Curtoni. So, you know, we've, we've talked about the Italian team in, on the women's side having having that real depth and, and four in the top 10 of, of a Super G like Valdez, pretty, pretty impressive. It's interesting to see what they can't do um, on that women's Italian side because they seem to be wanting to do every race going. What about what thought, about the, ov the overalls looking spicy on the ladies' side, isn't it? You've Bassino, Brunoni... You know, Suter, if she keeps picking up all these big points in the speed events, Vlahova sticking on downhill skis now. It wasn't even a, you know, it wasn't an easy downhill and she's sticking on downhill skis. It looks a little bit uh, uncomfortable, maybe. It's probably a, a decent way of putting it. But, uh, you know, you've got her, you've got Goggia skiing GS as well. Schifrin, obviously, is going to start smashing more races and, and picking up big wins. And, you know, it's wide open. And as well, Ed, your big uh, pick surprise pick in the opening slaloms uh, michelle gizzing is actually second in the overall at the moment in, in the women's so um yeah she appears to seem very similar to brignoni appears to be basically doing every race she possibly can to get as many points as possible but yes yeah, it was interesting seeing flahova in the downhill i wasn't quite sure what we'd what we'd what we'd see from her on on the long skis she definitely looked a bit tentative uh you can tell she's a lot more comfortable on uh the shorter the skis get but as we've seen with a lot of tech races that make the move sometimes it takes a couple of seasons for them really to to adjust uh to that being comfortable with high speed and um, she certainly doesn't seem like someone who's particularly scared of going fast so um i think perhaps we'll see the best of lahova at speed in in a couple of seasons to come but yeah she's she's dominating at the moment but you think you've got to feel it's only a matter of time before shifrin moves back into uh, vintage form and yeah, just but, starts winning left, right, and center. Yeah, but you still you still only pick up. You know, Vlahova's still, you know, 
if she's not the best, you know, to, to, you know her and Schiff, when we talk about, you know, they're pretty much as good as each other. It, you know, you're still only picking up 20 points difference for a win and 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 a second place. Is that going to be enough? Does Schifrin, if she wants to take the overall, does she need to start, you know, picking up some more race starts and more points in, in unfavoured disciplines? I don't know. What do you think, Marcel? I mean, I think if she wants to win the overall again, she she does have to go on the speed side because it's it's too close and Vlahova is too far ahead already to not do it. And I think for Vlahova, it's, she just did the downhill to get some practice in for the Super G because that's what what it's supposed to do, right? If you don't do if you don't do the training runs, at least you usually don't have a chance getting anywhere close to be on a top spot in the Super G. And I mean, she got six, so that's like that's forty points she picked up there. That's that's pretty good, I would say. Yeah, that's a definite. That's a big success. That's a you know that's that's a big tick for, for a downhill when you're not really bothered. You know, when you're right, the focus is super G for her. So picking up sixty points in downhill, that's a big win. Let's uh, let, let's let's have a look at these downhills. So, Godgia in the first really sort of handed it to Suter. Because uh, Suter was error-free. Goggia looked like she fell over about eight times. I mean, in downhill, there's only about 10 turns. And uh, <laughs> and she nearly fell over on, on most of them. She was unreal. I mean, we, we know to expect that from her. But to still be second after that many mistakes was, was very, very impressive. And then um, Breezy Johnson picking up her first podium in the first downhill and then a second podium in the second downhill with a couple of thirds. Yeah. That American speed team, we said they had a good, they had a good weekend um, and Breezy Johnson both days looked really exciting for a speed skier. And I felt a bit bad for her because there's not too many times you'll say you'll come 0.2 and 0.27 off the leader and you'll still only get third both days. Mm. Um, on another day, she could have, she could have been, she could have been uh, another step up the podium. Um, and certainly on that, uh, the second downhill, she was, I think she was only three or four hundredths off Suter in, in second. So she has had an, an incredible weekend. And when we were talking to Warner earlier in the season, we weren't quite sure where the best American performances were coming from. He mentioned Paula Maltzan, um, who, who really came to light in, in the uh, Solden GS and then the parallels. But on the speed side, who was kind of a bit more tentative on, on saying where how confident he was in, in where they were going to come from. But obviously we've seen this weekend, Breeze Johnson looks really comfortable right at that top level. Yeah, she was so good um, in those high-speed turns. I thought her like turn a bit bit nausea, a bit geeky, but that, that, the initiation that she was doing on some of those speed turns was mega, just so clean, such a beautiful roll onto that outside ski. And... Uh, you know, it was a couple, I think it was a couple of, you know, rookie errors makes it sound like, you know, they're naive errors. They weren't, they were just, it, an experienced skier wouldn't have made the mistakes that she made lower down the course, which are the things that costed her, you know, a step higher on the podium or even a win. She was so good on, on her actual skiing was so good. And it was just a couple of, you know, sort of um, naive errors, maybe is probably a better way of putting it that, that stopped her taking a, taking a win almost. Yeah, and also, I think, I can't remember which way round Marcel's picks were, but Nina Ortlieb, certainly on, on the first day, had, had a pretty good pretty good run of things, looking like she's 
ready to go for this season. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. Um, sorry, Marcel, you you take that. Sorry, mate. No, I, I thought she was she was skiing she was skiing actually really well in the first run, but the Austrians were struggling a bit in general. Um, I felt, and like if you look at the Americans, great to see them back, right? After Lindsay Vaughn and Mancuso being out for a long time now, so to have a good team, but. In terms of the Austrians, I think Nina Ortib looked the best. The other ones were struggling a bit, unfortunately. Um, but it's the first, the first race, um, so it's it's always it's always hard to say. And I mean, it, it was it was a very specific race, specifically the first downhill. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of it, um, but that's a different story. Well, come on, give us the story. No, I, I felt I just felt like that. that the girls they had they were skiing really well, but if you have four people ending up in the net at the same turn, and then about ten others being about five centimeters off that that net, is there is something wrong? And I just felt that it was too quick into that course, and the girls were not prepared for that. And that's none of none of the girls' fault. I felt there should have been someone saying we need to have a bit more of a turn there because it was really high speed, and that's not what we want to see, right? We don't want to see four people landing in the net on the first race and one being injured so who's that is that the course setter i mean they would have skied that exact course in in all the training runs they don't they didn't change it in the training runs they changed it from race one to race two but they didn't change it in training runs who who's that why is that a, become an issue i don't know maybe there maybe the conditions like were getting quicker um the girls risking more like on a race day they were like maybe just getting that next gear the sixth gear in and, and they just it was maybe a bit too much, but I felt from from a, from an outside perspective, watching the race, it was nice having like a, a break after four or five girls and then waiting for another 20 minutes because they had to pick them up. And I just, I just don't enjoy that very much. And I felt that was, that took it a bit away from the race. And you saw even Gojia there, she could have just ended up in that as well because she had the same thing there. And I felt they should have maybe prepared a bit better or, done like the resetting a bit earlier i mean the training runs are always difficult to judge because you don't go full speed but still that was i thought that was a bit too much yeah there was a couple of bits to, to pick up on them marcel see agree so obviously ed i don't know if you want to cover it now or not but obviously that first downhill saw the really bad injury to schmidhofer nicole schmidhofer from from austria went into the into the nets as as Marcel's mentioned and and appears to have been a, a season ending injury with well, she, she, didn't go um, in, she didn't go into the net she went through the bloody net that's that should well, not be happening into slash behind well, she, um, bloody three nets that yeah. should that should not be happening that's the that is the stuff that you know that that kills people that's the stuff that you know paralyzes people going through nets I thought we were over through nets I thought that we'd looked at you know, those A-nets are designed. So A-nets are designed to stop you, regardless of how painful or quick that happens. A-nets are supposed to not let you through. You do not pass. B-nets are the ones, you know, the um, the, the uh, Herman Meyer nets, the, the ones where you flip over and they slow you down gradually and it's okay to go through them. And C-nets are the crappy ones at the top of the race that don't really do anything that people on their holidays think that they can just ski round. Um, but... <laughs> They're the ones that were normally on the side of the races I did. Yeah, exactly. Well, nice. Um, so I was, I was really shocked. And when I saw her go through the nets, I was, I, I was really fearful that actually that was something more serious. And we saw 
uh, David Poisson, he went through a net and, and, and he's no longer with us anymore. You know, we, you got, you go a bit further back, Beltrametti, Swiss guy, went through a net and is in a wheelchair. Like going through the nets, I know we ski on sharp skis, but that shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be happening anymore. That, that's not technology we don't have. This just should not be happening. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a strange one. Like obviously, because it was such a, a bad injury, they, they didn't show many replays of it. So I don't quite know how she ended up there. But certainly the the angle, and as Marcel was saying, uh, the, the fact that the number of people that found themselves in a dangerous position at the same point of the course made me think just possibly it is down to the set and there just wasn't that speed on the training runs into that corner. I mean... I think it's Wengen, you normally see the guys riding the net, but that's a particularly slow point of the course where they're trying to hang on to as much speed as possible, whereas this was a really high-speed corner. So the nets need to be set up in a way that they can catch people coming at a very shallow angle. You normally think of those nets as catching people just flying off and bouncing off them. But this was at such a... They're almost running at the same angle as, as the net when they're crashing, and it's... I don't know if it's better design or, or what, but as Marcel was saying, it was it was quite scary to watch at times in terms of just how I don't know how uneasy it was with what would happen when someone crashed. I think that that's um that was called the compression turn. That that turn you know goes into it does go into a compression and it's dark and then it goes light. So you have got your dapple lighting and then you've got you know the fence does come at it you know a sharp angle to the angle you know you're coming down straight towards it and then the compression with that sharp left footer and you're sort of you know the angle is tough to get out of it and yeah maybe it was down to the core setters to which they did on the second day to sort of bring them out a little bit more so that the angle wasn't quite so abrupt from going straight towards those a nets towards uh, to, to sort of the, the racing line but you know you saw them afterwards that you know sewing the nets back together oh, come on guys it's not Mickey Mouse. I mean, that was that was that was shocking that those guys were not even like trying to change the netting or anything, just sewing it's where I mean the next one coming in the same angle would have just gone through as well. I mean, that is just it's ridiculous. You talk about safety, etc., and then you see people sewing back together the nets to for people to actually help them survive if they crash with 120 kilometers an hour. So I think that was that was not very good. And I hope they're gonna change some stuff there. Um, I mean, I do, it's this, it's a dangerous sport and it's, it's obviously makes it also interesting to watch, but at some stage specifically on the first race where everyone might not know the limits yet. Um, yeah, we, clearly, have, we, we haven't done an awful lot of speed training, have we? Exactly. Um, you, I mean, setting the course, a bit more turny, like five meters each side. It slows them down by 20 kilometers an hour, potentially. And it makes it, no one's going to struggle. No one's going to struggle there, right? And it's, it, it, you can't see it as like someone watching it on TV. You literally can't see if they go 100 or 80 or 120. Playing, de playing devil's advocate that you know, is, down, is downhill and these are the world's best skiers, female skiers. So, you know, we should be, we should be pushing them, but yeah, I, I agree. They, they made an adjustment the second day that actually you couldn't tell from day one to day two in terms of speed or, or, or you know, danger factor or in terms of viewing or, you know, viewers' excitement wouldn't have noticed it. So I get it. But at the same time, it, was, it a, was, it a re, was it a dangerous turn? I don't think it was a dangerous turn necessarily. 
the conditions probably made it into a tri- more tricky than it should have been and and maybe just yeah m- m- you know the adjustment they made the second day was good so i think it was uh it, it was a worthwhile adjustment i just i, I don't know I, I do want to see them pushed i want to see them pushed i want to see the you know it's down it's downhill but you're right that this is dangerous enough as it is without having to have sub optimal safety yeah i think the, the for me the biggest thing to take away from that was was just happy that certainly Schmidhofer is is okay um yeah to be fair i think season it's over. Out- yeah it's a decent outcome only yeah and it's it's been such a, a shame that we've had to wait so long to get the women's speed tour underway and then one of the you know favorites in 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 a few races as as a season over in, in race one which is a, a real big shame but hopefully uh Schmidhofer can come back next year and uh and put some some uh uh some wrongs to right next year exactly yeah yeah um and i'm quite pleased that sofia Godjia managed to pick up managed to change made those adjustments and picked up a race win um it was good it's, it's always good i think that's what's good about double races it gives you a chance to make some adjustments and and, and you know she did make some adjustments found her outside seat ski and uh, uh and got to the bottom quickest uh, the the only other person before we move off the ladies that i actually wanted to give a little um shout out to was kasia vikoff lee you know the young norwegian skier she was in the big 20s high 20s and she again she nearly took she nearly took a step on the podium and probably one of the ones up near the front as well she was on fire on that on that uh, race she was so quick I mean, yeah that- you really ask yourself where those girls up in Norway and, and all the men like where are they getting them from yeah it's crazy crazy again yeah, and, and the only I, I had one other person Ed as well that we haven't seen like pushing the top few for a while was Ilka Stuhet she had a really good uh, couple races I think she was a uh, uh, I think she was, where was she, fourth on the first day and then seventh on the second uh, downhill. It's been a couple of years since we've really seen the the real kind of speed from her. So it was really good to see her kind of pushing those top few uh, few uh, women again on, on in the top end near the podium. So it's taken her a, it's taken her a welcome while to, return. Yeah, it's taken her a while to get back from this injury. You know, she did most of last season, obviously, again, season cut short, um, but, you know, she was uh, yeah, she was going all right. Nice to see her back towards the front. Hopefully, uh, she can continue that curve because she before she got injured a couple of seasons ago, she was flying and she was she was unstoppable in speed. It'd be quite nice to, to add another name to the mix. I'm sure she's going to feature on, on a few more people's picks uh, on the next women's speed race. Um, going over to the highlight of this racing segment. Definitely the highlight for you. On the slalom, so you're talking about <laughs> such a dick. Uh, was Val Gardena. Ha- I mean, Ben, even you have to admit that that was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Uh, it was. I'm just winding you up. Um, it, it was, it was brilliant. Both the uh, speed races were epic. There was a uh, live, I really enjoy actually watching Super G on the on the bumps uh, when they're going jump. over the rollers but normally you see them like just go across all of them pretty much in the downhill trying to work out how many of the rollers they were trying to clear and the people getting it wrong and nearly kneeing themselves in the face 
bouncing around corners. It's it's really it's really good uh, fun. That um that top jump on the super G was insanely big, so big that that first that was almost as big as the camels. That top super G jump, uh, I, I was so it, pleased to it be is. back there. <laughs> it, it is, but they don't make it look anywhere near as far as it is. They're no. in such control going over it. But you're just like, oh, yeah, they're just hopping over that roll. And then you see the little graphic saying how far they've just gone through the air. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Marcel? Did you did you like a bit of speed or are you always tech? I mean, I, I did a bit of Super G's and European Cups and stuff. I actually did a couple of downhills in Chile, which I do did enjoy. But I mean, I, I wasn't born for it. Let's be honest. I was not born for speed. But I have to say, I mean, that that was just, I think Gruden is always very impressive. Like, I mean, they basically in the air more than they are actually skiing. Um, so that was good fun watching it. And it's good to have the speed season, the proper races back on track. Absolutely. The um, the Super G, Kilda, took his first win. Kavietzel was second. And Mr. Jansrud back on the podium. He became a new father. He's got some dad strength going on there. Back back on the podium in third place. Did yeah, you, I, was, did... I was a bit gutted that uh, my, my pick, uh, uh, Matthias Meyer, was down in fourth. Um, but yeah, Jansrud, we've talked about, like he's had a, a period where he showed up in the massive races, but really not consistently on the tour. Um, but he re he really looked, I wouldn't say quite back to his old best, but certainly looked a lot more like he could be a, a more consistent contender this season. Mm. I think last year, was, wasn't he coming back from an injury the year before? So he was like struggling throughout the season a bit, having a couple of good results. But this year he looks really strong. I mean, killed it, obviously. <laughs> what else to say then? He's like a machine. But I thought there were some, there were also some really good res other results. I mean, who would have thought that Kaviesli is going on a back-to-back -back podium? I mean, that was that was just fantastic skiing. That top section, the top, the top third and the final third all apart from the middle bit for Caviezzo was some of the best, best super G skiing I've seen. He was, especially the top was so smooth. He was pinpoint accurate. He was powerful. He was brilliant. Took his, he just didn't take the risks that Kilder took through the middle. He didn't take those risks through that past the, the camels and through into the top of Chaslat. That was where Kilder really put the hammer down, used that strength, used that power, used that experience to drive his way down. But um, it was a smashing, smashing set of races. Speaking of speaking of how much ridiculous strength some of these guys have, what was Craig my doing push-ups on the way down? I don't know what he was doing. So <laughs> he was in the super G, he laid over, and basically, normally you see people just kind of pull themselves up with their core strength. He looked like he just did a push-up to get himself off the floor and carry on skiing at full speed. Honestly, we always talk about Kilde being so strong, but Kriegmeier's strength in his leg is unbelievable. I know, I remember training with him in the gym and he is so powerful. And the same with Meyer, like all those guys are like so powerful. But then you see like Kavirslin, it's like so effortless, you know, he just skis down. Like you wouldn't think that he has any strength because he doesn't really need it. 
Um, so it, it's just, it, it's so funny to see those different styles and different people. And I, we talked about it last time, but you, you don't really know. Someone can be like small, big, tall, whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. So that was, that was so funny to see again. Yeah, that G, uh, Super G uh, piece, there, it looks like there has to be so much going on in your brain around almost every turn, whilst also how do I get to the bottom faster than anyone else? Like yeah. just, it's hard enough picking out the right line in a speed event, let alone picking out the right line, when to attack, when to compress, when to pre-jump, uh, when you're getting in and out of your tuck, because there's so much to consider. You can almost see some people getting in their tuck as an afterthought. They're like, oh crap, yeah, I'm supposed to be in the tuck at this point after like bouncing over a load of jumps and flying around the corner, dragging themselves along the floor. Um, it's quite, what did what did you think when you were skiing down at? I, I, I think that's quite it. interesting. I, I absolutely loved it. It was. Um, I, I've always loved doing jumps, so doing fast jumps and big jumps in a downhill was it, it was brilliant. And it, it's not the it's not scary. It's not scary downhill. You know, it's not or say it's scary super G. It's not Kitzbühel. It's not you know Vengen. It's 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 really fun. And I, I, I absolutely loved it. Super G there was something else, you know, real technical mix in with this, in with the, uh, with the, with the speed and stuff. I, yeah, I loved it. I'd, I'd race there again tomorrow, but probably in sections. I might have to find. My body. I was going to say you wouldn't do very well, would you? No, no, absolutely wouldn't do I might very have well. To find some videos of you and the, comparing you to Eddie the Eagle on the jumps and see who is who is doing it better. <laughs> I think I probably flew further than Eddie the Eagle, to be fair. Um, <laughs> on, let's quickly, I've just aware that we've actually rambled on talking about quite a lot of these races already, but um, just quickly on the on the downhill side of things, Kilda again took the win. Foyts looked a little bit, not, not that he's, uh, he's not quite sharp on his downhill skis just yet. And Ryan Cochran Siegel, first podium from not nowhere again because he's not like he's a newbie but but uh, certainly not expected to be second in a downhill yeah the americans three in the top 10 four in the top 15 they've just the speed team seems to have hit on something i don't know if during lockdown they had some secret tops uh, top secret speed training base that no one else knew about but they seem to have really hit the ground running this year um but yeah ryan cochran Siegel, he's skiing looked uh, it's weird to say but he looked so much more comfortable than Foyts and you're used to seeing Foyts just look like a man who's out for a stroll when he's doing World Cup downhills um, so yeah really really impressive stuff from the Americans and, and really good to see them pushing on more than one front having multiple people right up there um, like you said Foyts didn't quite look his normal self but that might just be that he's he's needs a couple races under his belt before he really hits hits uh, I guess hits the hits the ground running with his normal normal self. Absolutely, well, I think that finally takes us to the end of of uh, looking back over his mammoth five days of racing. So um, yeah, nice one. Got a little break, Christmas, and then the men are over in Bormio. And they are racing downhill and super G. Um, training runs start on the 26th. I mean, it's less of a thing this year because nobody's allowed to do anything for Christmas uh, and everybody's trying to hang out on their own anyway to make sure that they're not going to catch the dreaded COVID. So training runs 26th. 
Then you've got the first set of races on the 27th and the 20, sorry, the 28th and 29th. The men race downhill on Monday, the 28th and Super G on Tuesday, while the women race over in Semmering and they race on the same dates, 28th in uh, on the Monday, which is GS and 29th, which is Tuesday's slalom. Um, Marcel, do you know much about Semmering? Yeah, I do actually. It's a uh, it's a nice it's a nice track there. I think it's it's pretty good for the girls. Um, they ski there every year. Um, it's very exciting actually. Obviously, usually with quite lots of Austrian fans. Um, but by the looks of it, it seems quite challenging. So um, we can expect a good race there. Are you expecting any um, any surprises? The snow is the snow. It's quite low, isn't it? From my recollection, or have I made that up? Yeah, it's not, it's not very far away from Vienna, actually. So it's it's rather low, but it, it seems like there is a lot of snow in Austria. And let's hope the temperatures um, getting a bit closer to being worthy for a ski race. Um, and then I think we can expect a good race track there. I'm sure they're putting putting all the effort in. Um, to make it a, a ski fest in Austria. Excellent. Um, should we crack on straight away with a, a couple of little picks? Um, ben, why don't you kick us off with some picks? Uh, so which which order are they in? They GS and Slalom. So what I had for the GS, um, and I don't know if I'm going to shoot myself in the foot with this, um, but I feel Schifrin's now back to form. Um, after the win in the last race, and I'm feeling she's gonna, she's had a, she would have had extra time off from not doing the speed. So, despite Tessa finally getting back on the podium after two years of letting me down, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Schifrin. And if Tessa gets on the podium, I will probably go a little bit insane. <laughs> okay, so are you making a note of this? Yeah, you don't want to jinx it. Huh? You're making a note, you don't want to jinx it. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, I probably have, but there you go. I'm going Schifrin for the GS. Okay. Um, Marcel, GS? Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to go for Schifrin as well, but am I allowed? I think you just change the rules constantly, so I'm not sure what I can do and what I can't because well, I need to pick up some points. I've well, lost. Right, now, right now, as of Tuesday night, yes, you can pick her, and then I'll, maybe I'll change my mind after the first run. I'll, I'll, pick, I'll go for Schifrin as well. She's going to win that race for sure. Uh, uh, Brit, um, Bassino for me, and um, slalom. I, I do hope Schifrin. I hope Schifrin wins actually, but not for my predictions positioning. Um, I really hope she wins. Uh, for your, for <laughs> I, your need pick, I need to pick then. someone that's not coming third. <laughs> yeah, or fourth, even worse. Um, fourth, what about the fifth, slalom? The other places again. Um, so then? for the slalom, I had uh, three names written down, and I'm deciding right now. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Sandy Wendy. Uh, see if she can uh, get back on the podium. Ben, you know you're you know you're you're pushing for points. I mean, I'm not saying that Wendy's not a good shout because she's she's going to be towards the sharp end. I didn't want to pick Vlahova because she's won everything and I feel yeah, that's well, too Marcel's much of a favourite, seeing as we try and 
try and stick away uh, from there. That was one of the names I'd written down, but I thought I'd, I'd, I'd stay away from it because I didn't want to get in trouble for being uh, picking too many favourites. Um, and one thing we didn't touch on as, as well, the injury to Sven Larsson, who's she's got uh, out for another few weeks. Um, she's had an absolute nightmare of a season from the COVID scare um, and now having a, a, an injury, which means she can't race for another, I think they said six weeks maybe she's going to be out. Um, which is absolutely terrible for her. So she would normally be in that mix for picks. So I'm going with Wendy. Let's see what happens. Okay. Marcel? <sighs> I like. I mean, I hate to lose. And that's why I go for a Schifrin double. Okay. Well, as long as you don't go for Vlahova. So uh, that's the only word that comes out of your mouth when it comes to ski racing women, isn't it? No. You know what I'm going to do this time? I'm going to take... I'm going to pick four people, which I'm obviously going to reveal in a second i'm gonna go on to petty power and i've put five quid on them and i can guarantee you i'm gonna make big money this week or next week <laughs> all right but you're still gonna you're gonna go with shifrin are you yeah i go with the double okay um i'm gonna go down leansberger for a home win yeah, let's hope she does or maybe Get second. I would. I would suggest you get second behind Schifrin. All oh, right. Okay. Thanks. You don't. You, you. You don't need any help with your picks. Um. Okay. Right. And over to the men's races, which are in Bormio, which is going to be as brutal as ever, no doubt. Um. It's. It. I don't think I've said it before, Ben. I don't think Bormio gets the. The sort of reputation that. It deserves really that piece is you know it doesn't it's not always put in the same bracket as a kitzbühel but it's flipping mental it's, it's brutal um and there's a reason the same person keeps winning it um and that's because he's an absolute psycho uh in uh dominic paris but um what is it too soon for him well, because he, he didn't quite look at his best in Val Gardena. And he's coming off this injury break at the back end of last season with no training. I just, I just feel like I'm not sure if he can, if he's quite ready yet to take on this monster. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. Because, yeah, and normally you'd be mental to look past Paris, really, for this one. But on the evidence of last week, it's... Uh, it's it's a tough one. He wasn't at the he was I mean he was at the races, but he wasn't at the at the races at the races. Um, <laughs> I so, think I know what you mean. You know what I mean. He was there, but he wasn't really there. But he was there, but he wasn't there. Um, so yeah. On that note, Marcel, who are you going for? I've actually thought long about that because the the Norwegians don't have the best track record in Bormio, nor do they have on either Santa Catarina or Bormio. Paris was a good one, but obviously that's out for now. And the Austrians, they seem to do or make a lot of mistakes, which is a bit concerning. Um, I would have gone for Meyer or Kriegmeier, but they just made too many mistakes. Um, so I'm going to go for the safe bet, Kilde. Um, I'm going to say uh, Foitz. He got me one point uh, this weekend, so I'm just <laughs> going to do this one point at a time. <laughs> I, I'm sort of similar to you, Marcel. I'm, I'm struggling to to sort of find somebody that's going to, that's sort of a, a good nailed on, almost a nailed on pick or not nailed on pick, but a, a sort of well thought pick. 
and you can't help but start removing people. Um, but um, I'm going to go Maya. I would have gone. I would go Kriegmeier normally, but he he seems to be making quite a few mistakes at the moment. Maya picked up his fourth. Doesn't quite seem as I don't know flappable. Maybe he's, that... he's looked good, Maya, but he just hasn't quite looked as aggressive as as he needs to be to be pushing those podium places. In the Super G last weekend, he looked flawless, but just didn't mm. really look like he was attacking. Um, and that's probably why he ended up fourth and, and, and not higher up. So he's, he's, he is a very consistent skier. So I don't think he'd be looking too wrong. Um, let's head over to the Super G, which is on the Tuesday. Um, I would go to Marcel. Come on then. Right. Try and hit us with not the favourite. Yeah. I'll go with my usual pick. It's Pins for Raw. <laughs> 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 the Super G. Ooh. Last year he was tenth in the combined Super G in Bormio, but he has picked up a really good result in Val d'Isère. hasn't done hasn't done the one in in um, recently in Italy, but I think I think he's a good shout. And hey, if he's not getting me five points, he will get me one. Okay, you reckon he's you reckon he's a dead cert for the podium, do you? I mean, he did look. I mean, it's a good place. Yeah, it's a very technical place. There's one or two guys who are probably gonna smash the race, but there are like ten guys behind them who can who can easily get onto the podium, and I think he's one of them. He doesn't have any fear. If he's doing a downhill training, which I don't know, he might do. Um, he's getting to know the slope a bit. I remember last year it was very straight setting, but you don't know if they make a couple more turns, he might be he might be in like a, a favorite position there. Mm. It is one of the, you know, it's a proper, it's a proper technical super G, isn't it? And there's not an awful lot of gliding on there. So who knows who it's, it's not a bad shout. It's definitely not a bad shout. Um, ben, what do you reckon? Oh, I'm staying away from the favourite and going with Kilda. I'm going to leave Mauro to his winning ways. Do you think, you think Mauro's going to have what it takes down there? He looks unflappable at the moment. I know it was a bit weird that he won the Globe last year without actually winning any of the races. But then as soon as he picked up the win uh, a couple of weeks ago, he now looks like a really, really... He looks like he feels like a favourite, whereas before mm. he just kind of turned up and he kind of would kind of consistently smash out podiums or fourths, whereas now he's had that win. He, he's holding himself like someone who believes he's going to win... Uh, win every race he turns up at. Well, fair enough. So, so I'm not picking him, I'm picking Kilda instead. So you're going Kilda. <laughs> I, I, think, I think this is really tough. I think this is a tough one. Uh, you're going Kilda, you're going Pantero. I'm tempted to go Jansrud. I'm also tempted to go Serested because he's a beast. The man is a power, ha power hound and he's not, um, and he's certainly not very. I don't know, cautious, is he? And, and I don't think you can be cautious down Bormio. Do I think Caviel's going to do it down there? Mm, not particularly. I just feel like it's a bit, a bit powerful. A bit, bit, not that he's not powerful. I don't know if he's powerful, but it just doesn't seem... Go for, go for the Maya double. Am I procrastinating? Um, a little bit, mate. A little bit. 
Uh, Yansred. Yansred. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I did have something to ask Marcel, actually, um, while we're, while we're talking uh, men's speed. Marcel, do the Austrians care at all that Romed Bauman has started to be good at skiing? Now that he's German, not Austrian. <laughs> he's, he's just started because he spent he spent he spent he spent back. years just being out the back end of the like. Oh, he had a few good years, but then the last three or four, he's been out the back of the twenties quite regularly, and he appears to have found a bit of form since swapping nationalities. Do the Austrians care, or he are they happy was, with Kriegmeier and Meyer? He was always a bit of a dark horse, wasn't he? Like he always was up for a medal somewhere at the World Champs or whatever. Had maybe a couple of wins in the in the combined. I, I haven't heard anything. I haven't read anything on the news, but I am pretty sure that they were not happy about them beating all the Austrians. That's sure. Yeah, re- releasing him and then he's not allowed, and then he's beaten them. Who would be? I mean, for him, it was probably it was quite enjoyable. I would assume, <laughs> but for the Austrians, I, I would assume they were not they were not delighted about it. Let's call it that way. Absolutely. Fair enough, because it does seem to have picked up his form a little bit uh, since swapping, swapping nationalities this year. I thought, I thought it was quite funny. I mean, he's a nice guy, so, I mean, good for him, but maybe not as good for the Austrians. Absolutely. Also, it doesn't matter if it's Bauman or anywhere else. If, if a German beats an Austrian, there, there is always a bit of like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> right, fair enough. It's this inside knowledge you don't get without Marcel. No, no. Right. I think I think we've rambled on long enough. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, happy Christmas. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, goodbye for now.